Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short controlled bursts. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today we are discussing Minute 123, which begins with a piece of debris slamming into the elevator and ends with Ripley tossing down her pulse rifle. And Scott Corelli back again today. Thanks for coming back. Of course. And Chrysanthi Tan's back again. Thanks for coming back on this Wednesday. Thank you. All right, so we're headed up. The uh, Newton Ripley are secure, relatively secure, inside of the elevator, heading up, going to the platform to meet uh, Bishop and Hicks, who we shouldn't forget about. It's been a while since we've talked about the other people that are still involved in this story, or the other person and uh, synthetic person that are involved in this story. Um, so they're coming up the elevator. And speaking of, you know, yesterday, uh, Cynthia, you talked about a satisfying sound you heard. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, I, I love the bang that this piece of debris makes on the top of this elevator. I don't know why. <laughs> There's something very satisfying to me about that because it seems like it could have been a throwaway moment visually. It could have been just a thing that kind of fell. Um, and they really amped it up in the in the sound mix. And I was just like, oh, nice attention to detail. Not satisfying in the same way but to, uh, as maybe that other sound was to you, but... To me, it's like, oh, I like that when when they pay attention to detail and really like make sure the sound design is all there. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think this is just a little model. That's uh, I, I don't think this is the actual elevator. So I could be wrong about that. Now I'm now I'm scared that I'm wrong and everybody's gonna be mad at me. <laughs> but I think it's just a little model that they're <laughs> pulling up. But um, yeah, so. In the in the elevator, they're going to get uh, up to the top, and the doors are going to open. Um, what's up? I, I <laughs> just, just I, I I'm just I I oh man I I can't get enough of the queen's reaction to the elevator opening. Um, <laughs> like yeah. she literally cocks her head to the side like a dog. Uh, I know it's. <laughs> I mean, I have that exact note as well. I would be. <laughs> I mean, talking about talking about. I mean, talking about satisfying sounds. Like, there's something very satisfying about this. I I don't know. Like, it's just so silly. It's such a goofy moment in this really, you know, serious, tense situation. And and you have the alien queen turning to the ele- empty elevator and cocking her head to the side like she get, has an idea. Like, it's just. I don't know. I love it. That sort of fits into the slasher film thing, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I can't get enough of the alien's teeth. Mm-hmm. Oh, the teeth are so beautiful. Yeah. I love those translucent teeth. How I, I don't know. How how are they made? What what are they made of? Well, uh, my friend Todd Norris uh, is a filmmaker and kind of a you know he was around he saw this movie when it came out and was already kind of an amateur filmmaker at the time said that he bought um this stuff after seeing this movie he read about how they did the effects and he bought this stuff uh first that was called like oh crap i'm forgetting it called super slime which is the stuff that they used for all the sliming of everything in this movie so the drool coming out of the alien's mouth and so on and then this stuff called friendly plastic, which is what they crafted the teeth out of. What? So apparently you could do so much with this plastic. Um, 
to make it what look however you wanted. You could give it color. You could make it, you know, uh, molded into whatever you wanted. So he said he bought those things online. Like he had the Cinefix magazine, or not online, just way before that. He had a Cinefix magazine and sent off to order these effects, hoping to make a little like a, a VHS you know, camcorder <laughs> movie with some of these effects. But that's what he said that that the uh, teeth were made out of. So we do have a guy, a model maker and like kind of effects expert, Eric Moore, who's a listener. And gets mentioned more than by far more than any other listener on the show that will probably chime in with the exact information on this. So he might oh, have already cool. done that, and I could be behind the game here a little bit. Cool. Well, please remind are, us. I love those teeth. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Dental seal of approval. But as far as <laughs> <laughs> as far as the head tilt goes, I don't hate it or anything. I'm fine yeah, with it. No. It's... But it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, uh, the editing is doing the job here. You see an elevator arrive; it opens. You cut to the th- to a something turn its head. Just all it has to do is turn its head and look, and we know what it's thinking. Like, and then we see it in the elevator later. Enough said. Why have the head, the doggy head tilts? <laughs> like, uh-huh. it's like they're just short of having it go. Uh-huh. Um, it's fine. I'm not like I, like I said. I don't hate her or anything, but boy, it was completely unnecessary, and I'm sure it wasn't an easy maneuver for the puppeteers. I just, I just wish there had been like an additional sound of like a like the elevator arriving just as its head is tilting, so that you get the little ding. Like, <laughs> oh man, that would have been a little. Oh my gosh, Scott, that, mm, come on veto. now. <laughs> Let's veto that one. No, the fact, I, you know, thanks for reminding us of the practical effect, the puppet and everything. That makes it just seem that it really was intentional. It, like, they really wanted this oh, head totally, tilt. Yeah. So they're like, we we really want this, even though it's going to take, you know, five extra hours to perform it and coordinate it. I don't actually know if that's what happened. But I, it leads me to ask, what do we expect the alien to do? How do we, ex- do we have expectations for the alien for the alien like how should the aliens act um you know why do we not like I'm not saying you don't like it but why do we not why does it stick out to us that the that the alien is doing this do we expect oh, her to be fully menace fully menacing just yeah yeah i think menace is a part of it but for me it's more my i have a tendency to try to avoid anything on the nose mm-hmm. Unless it's absolutely necessary. So to me, when I'm watching a movie, I'm always saying, why did he have to say that? I can see that. Or um, the editing, let the editing, I'm kind of a pure, I guess, a pure cinema guy. Like let the editing do the work. Try to make the short, try to make the silent film first. You know what I mean? Like where the story is being told visually, you could turn the sound off and you could know exactly what's happening. And to me, in this situation, you could, when the elevator arrives and the doors open and then they cut to the alien queen she turns her head and she looks that tells me right away she sees that the elevator is open and she has an entryway and then we and it even is a slightly more suspenseful to not have her tilt her head maybe we're not 100 sure she's going to get on that elevator and then when we get ripley later in the minute look down the elevator shaft and see that it's coming then we know and to me like the more efficient you can be the better and it's funny because Stan Winston and Galen Hurd do, they, they're kind of paired off on the commentary on the Blu-ray. 
So Stan Woodson, the creator of the puppet, and then Galen Hurd, the producer, uh, and they were over the moon about the head tilt. They were so happy. They were, when, when that point comes in the commentary, they're like, oh, that head tilt. Oh, we got it. Oh, boy, it just shows you how intelligent the alien is and all this stuff. I'm like, well, I know the alien's intelligent if, if when it steps on the elevator. You know, I don't need the head tilt. The head tilt actually kind of makes me think it's a little goofy, yeah. <laughs> not, not as intelligent. So I don't know. But again, like I said, I'm not totally against it. I just, uh, to me, less is more always. And uh, and to me, maybe just show the alien, see the elevator. You don't have to have yeah, the, head the, tilt, the, but... the, the head tilt for me, it just, it, it, it doesn't feel alien. Like I, I recognize that, that movement and I know what it means as like a body language thing, because, you know, I've had a dog, I've had cat, cats, uh, you know, people tilt their head like that like i know what that means and and so the fact that this alien is doing something that i recognize i i'm not crazy about okay i have thoughts um first of all when when the alien tilts her head i don't think that hits us over the nose with oh she's definitely going to enter the elevator for me that's like Mm. oh she's not sure she's caught off guard she's not sure what to do um so that's that was my immediate reaction. And then I agree with what you're saying about, you know, things being too on the nose and like let the editing do the work. I totally agree. And the thing is, you are mostly speaking from a visual perspective. I feel the same way about music, that which is why I'm like, oh my gosh, that ridiculous dramatic moment like was a little unnecessary. You know, mm-hmm. I value more subtle things. But I think different viewers will have different sensitivities to various, you know, aspects of a film. So I'm just trying to think if, if that helped anyone in some way just to see the tilt, to be like, I'm not sure what I, I'm so overwhelmed right now. I'm not sure what I should be thinking and how I should be feeling about this. And like, you know, I'm a little discombobulated. And so I will say these like three minutes have been stressful minutes and a lot's happening and it's a lot to take in. So just to be devil's advocate, I'm just going to say the head tilt maybe was a nice thing for someone to latch onto in the audience Mm. who hasn't seen it a billion times. That could, yeah, I'm sure that's true. And, And of course, I always wear my cinephile hat and I think, oh, well, nobody needs to see that. Oh, no, you know, I'm a little, I can be a little snooty about it and forget that there are people that don't, that didn't go to film school and they don't think about the language of editing in the same way I do and the language of film or the grammar of film the same way I do. And they do need a little bit of a, I mean, he's making a big popular film here. He's not making this, Aliens is not made for me. It's made for everybody. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I see your point there. And the other thing is that just occurred to me as you were um, saying that is that there's also rules of suspense involved here um, that you could go two ways with. I mentioned, you know, oh, well, maybe we see her see the elevator and then we don't know that she's on the elevator till later. Well, that's one kind of suspense. But there's the other kind of suspense where the audience is ahead of the character, right? So when Ripley sees the elevator come up, she knows the queen is coming. If we're with her on that, then it kind of gets the suspense just a little bit. To know, to get that on the nose moment, them hanging the lantern on, the alien sees it, tilts her head. And to me, that really does totally relate that she's going to get on that elevator. But um, uh, not to disagree with your reading, but to me, it's like clearly what they're trying to say. But then we're ahead of Ripley. We're like, then when they get to the top, when they're on the elevator, we're like, oh, Ripley, she's coming. She's still coming. You're not safe yet. When they get to the platform, we're feeling the same way. So that's just a different form of suspense, you know? 
So there's value in that too. So there could be a, a reason for the head tilt could be, we got to make absolutely certain that everybody knows that queen is not stopped, that they are not safe from her yet. Cause we got to make sure the suspense is layered on thick. So I don't know. It's interesting that we're talking about this so much. I had no idea that the head tilt would, I thought we'd all go, ah, it's funny, huh? Isn't that funny? But it's, it's created quite a conversation. No, but I so. think everything that you've said about watching the special, the behind the scenes and how proud they were and just how intentional it was. I think it is a big moment to mm -hmm. talk about. And I, it just occurred to me that it could also mm -hmm. be her tilting her head and being kind of like, whoa, I'm, I'm impressed. Like this human, hmm, I'm a little impressed or something. Um, also, yeah. I'm not sure what um, was happening in the 80s, special effects wise, but maybe this was actually something that was so hard to pull off that they just kind of wanted to show off a little bit. And I, I feel like that happens, you know, across the ages, like kind of you just want to show off your new toy or how cool something can be, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a practical effect or for sure. Yeah. So maybe it's a little bit of that, too. But I don't know. I don't really know if that was that hard. Totally. No, I mean, that's to that does happen all the time. And um, it's funny because Stan Winston, you know, like I said, he's the puppet, cre he's the creator of the puppet. He was also the second unit director and by all, most likely shot the shot. Like As the second unit director and the puppeteer, it's most likely James Cameron, especially on the time constraints they had, James Cameron was off working with the actors while Stan Winston was shooting a close-up of the puppet tilting its head. And it could very well be that he had the idea, hey, I'll, let's do a head tilt thing and we'll shoot it and we'll show it to Jimmy, you know, Jim Cameron and we'll say, hey, you like this? And it was one of those things where it's like, it was just too good of a thing, like you're saying, like too good of a thing. And I don't want to tell Stan Winston that I'm going to cut that thing that he did. I don't, he did such a good job with the puppet. I guess I'm basically saying... Uh, what you were saying, but getting more into the head of Stan Winston as as a um, creator, uh, knowing what I do about him is that he's put so much into all these puppets and he does such a great job that I could see it being the choice being because it's Stan Winston, because the puppet is so good. Yeah. So um, sorry. I, I feel like I just kind of repeated what you said. I was just trying to make it <laughs> uh, a it. point. I was just trying to make a point that Stan Winston himself would be an element in that choice um, as well. So. Uh, anyway, that was a lot to say that though. Sorry. I do have a question about the elevator itself. Are these, are these, um, are these elevators like one way elevators? Like they, like you, you can choose to go down to any level, but you only go up to the, the loading bay or. Oh, uh, well, no, I imagine you can stop at any floor. Okay. But you don't ever see them push buttons. No, do you? well, yeah, because I was good. I was like, "How does the queen know what floor to go to?" I don't know. <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah, that's well, a good she point. She is intelligent. Ah, she tilted. She looked at the uh, the row of numbers buttons. She tilted her head and figured yeah. it out. She chose the highest um, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I bet you, you know, that really, if the explanation were there, it would probably be like, oh, no, this is an elevator to the loading platform. Mm -hmm. And that's that. Like, where else are you going to go? So who, who? I guess it's one of those things like, please don't ask that question. Right. <laughs> like, no, but I the... <laughs> No, you need to be on the team of people who makes this ride because they're going to have to they're going to have yeah. to know this when they make the ride or they're, they're going to mess up and put too many floors. Yeah. Or... True. <laughs> Okay, so there's a. <laughs> I, I thought of you when, when she's in the elevator calming herself. I'm just like thinking of John in traffic now. 
Uh, <laughs> she's calming herself in the elevator. And it's like totally like that Star Wars Episode One moment where you're watching Darth Maul fight and you're just like, oh, I just want to like, just let me free. Um, okay, another random thing I heard. Just let me humor you. Uh, the very end of the minute. I think something creaks or is getting ready to fall. And there's this like sound effect that does a half step thing. It goes, Da-da-da, and it, it sounds like the Blurred Lines song. Do you know oh. what I'm talking about? The hey. Yeah, vaguely. Vaguely, yeah. <laughs> okay. I do know what you're talking about. As soon as you well, said the I Robin Thicke thing, I was like, oh, I remember. Well, yeah. yeah. I can't unhear I that when I watch right. this. It just sticks out to me right. so much. So there's another <laughs> random thing. Okay. Random, random sounds. Like Chrysanthi yes. Thank you so much for yeah. bringing that. Yeah. That's great. You're so welcome. Um, the world is richer for knowing this. <laughs> um, we got to talk about, you know, we, we kind of skipped past it sort of just because we were talking about elevator business. Um, but we have to talk about the emergence of Ripley and Nude and their discovery that the dropship is not waiting for them. Um, how does this moment work for you guys, both in as a moment in the story, uh, just generally speaking, and its execution in the film? Uh, I mean, again, I, I think it's going back to what I was talking about um, earlier this week about every time every time Ripley gets a win, she gets a loss. Um, this, this is like another right. one of those things where it's like, oh, she got to the top. She beat the queen there and she's safe. Awesome. Oh, but the dropship's gone. Uh, it's just it's just yet another you know, complication, yet another obstacle that she has to uh, get beyond. But I, I, but so I like it for what it's doing for sort of the pacing of the movie um, and, and the stakes mm-hmm. and raising the stakes and, and keeping them, you know, keeping this, this third act sort of heightened for the entirety of it. Uh, but, but, you know, how this is paid off, I believe in the next minute, um, eh, <laughs> I yeah like it, yeah. It, it's fine the way it's set up here but I kind of wish that there was another uh I guess way to 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 settle this um than the sort of Han Solo moment that we get Chrysanthi how do you I didn't mind it um but I, I I'll agree though if I'm thinking about the next minute and the payoff in the moment in this minute I don't mind it and I think it's a great moment Bishop goddamn like I mm-hmm. like that it worked for me. Yeah. I I'm curious though, Christine, you you did watch them in the proper order, Alien and Aliens, correct? Yeah. When you first watched them. Okay, so I don't I can't, you know, when I first saw this, I can't I didn't know about Ash. I didn't know about uh, a previous like betrayer other than her mention of it earlier in the movie, but that didn't really hit home completely because I hadn't seen Alien yet. But you saw Aliens but, first? But- Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, Aliens was such a phenomenon, you know, in those old VHS days. And Alien, I was only like tangentially aware of it. I, I was like, oh, this is a sequel to some movie, but it was such a big, huge movie that I just watched this one. And um, so th- it's really hard for me to connect to this idea that Bishop was supposedly going uh, would supposedly betray Ripley here. And James Cameron is very explicit in the commentary as saying that's what he thought everybody would think here. As well, he doesn't say that he thought. He goes, that is what everyone expected to happen here. <laughs> and I was like, I never in a million years expected Bishop to betray her. I am totally sold on Bishop by this point in the movie. I would never think he'd do something treacherous 
against her at this point. But I'm wondering if someone who had seen Alien first might have fallen for that. Like, not fallen for it's not the right way to put it, but would have thought, oh, it happened. Tilted Here's the reversal. Head. Here's, yeah, you tilt your head and you go, <laughs> yeah. he was a lecherous android after all, you know, or whatever. Did you get that feeling at all at this point? Do you remember? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I feel like it's very obvious that she is not. uh, Yeah, but hearing your interpretation is actually uh, really helpful because it just shows how earnestly Cameron meant to portray Bishop. Like, it's interesting that none of that uh, suspicion seeped through for you, that you just liked him. No, to me, once, once, yeah, I mean, Ripley's skeptical of him, you know, we follow along with her uh, in her skepticism because of her previous experience. But when he, when he volunteers to get into the, to the tube (laughs) and crawl down it for the sake of everyone, like what, what, you know, to me, I'm, I'm on board. I'm team Bishop all the way. I'm like, yeah, this guy's doing it. He's going to sacrifice himself. He's going to. Um, he, he's totally above board. I mean, he convinced her that he was, uh, through all of his actions. He said he was at first, you know, that, well, I'm not capable of doing those things. Uh, so add those things together. And at this point I'm like, I I just don't know. I I guess I I just don't have the experience to say whether I could, would have experienced, you know, uh, seen it differently had I seen alien first and would I've been suspicious of Bishop still at this point? I don't know, but it's an interesting moment. We'll, We'll have to put a, you know, something on the Facebook page about, you know, I want to get everybody's experience with this, whether they ever thought that he actually betrayed her here or not, or whether you really had the time to think it through anyway, because it is such a fast moving scene anyway. So maybe that's a big part of it too. But, and, and I do like the Bishop goddamn you part. (laughs) It's hard. She's going to be mad at him. Even if it's not a betrayal, she's going to be pissed off that he's not there. Period. (laughs) So. Yeah. True. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Um, I really wanted to like Bishop. So I'm, yeah, I'm glad how the movie turned out. Spoilers. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we might have talked this minute out. So yeah, I don't have anything else. So Chrysanthi, you want to bring, if you want to remind everybody again, uh, maybe another place they could find you online or. Yeah. You can find me at Chrysanthi Tan on all social media. I also have a two minute podcast. Is it three or two minutes? A two-minute pod. It's a three-minute podcast called Xanthi Briefly, which you can also find on my website, chrisanthitan.com/podcast. Cool. And Scott, <laughs> just you can find all my podcasts at duelinggenre.com. All right, and you can find us at alienminute.com on Twitter at alienminutepod or on Instagram at alienminutepodcast. All right, that's going to do it for minute one twenty-three. We'll see you tomorrow for minute one twenty-four.